Welcome to the Growing Up Sucks podcast for teenagers who need to know they're not alone and adults who are still young at heart. Whatever your age, you never stop growing up. Here is your host, Felicity Lyons. Hey everyone, it's Felicity here. Welcome to the Growing Up Sucks podcast. So this is an episode I've been wanting to do since I started the podcast. Just as a pre-warning, it's going to be very ranty, very opinionated, and I'm going to get more and more passionate as this episode goes on, to be honest. But before I get into uber ramp mode, I just want to say that although this episode highlights what is wrong with the modern day school system, it's important to remember that we are still lucky in that there are young people in other countries who don't have access to education. Now, not having to go to school actually sounds like bliss to some people, but actually it does introduce you to people you may have not met otherwise, and school itself isn't actually that bad. This episode is more about the system around school, and that is where things are wrong. Not the teachers or fellow students or anything like that, although they can sometimes create their own problems, but just the way all schools are programmed to work, if you like. And why am I choosing now to release this episode? We're not at results day or the start of the term or school year, but it was about this time five years ago that I made a choice to disrupt my education, but we'll get to that a bit later on. Now, for anyone who does know me or went to school with me, they'll know I played the part in the stereotypical hierarchy of nerdy, goody-two-shoes teacher's pet. I was that annoying kid who always did her homework on time, was rarely, if ever, late, and was extremely oversensitive. I could get worked up over the tiniest of things. Thankfully, that isn't the case anymore. The thing no one realises about nerdy teacher's pets is actually we as a stereotype are under an immense amount of pressure. We didn't just have to get our target grades, we had to maintain them. And keeping that standard of work up a long time is a challenge. And I often used to end up crying because I was struggling with homework or meeting deadlines, particularly in my GCSE year. But no one ever really saw that because I didn't want people to think I was struggling or failing. So I just did my best to get on with it. So where is this all going apart from a sympathy tale as a time of me as a nerdy kid? Well, quite frankly, despite being this supposed star student or whatever, the more time that passed, the less I enjoyed school. In year seven, I loved school. I had a passion for learning and the academics and being creative. And to be honest, most of the other students seemed to enjoy it too. But year seven, or at least when I was in that year group, was fun. Sure, we still had to take tests and do homework, but in English, we were creating magazine articles and writing stories. In science, we got the opportunity to do all these amazing experiments, playing with the Bunsen burners and learning how circuits worked by putting all the electricity bits and bobs together, the motors and light bulbs and all that kind of thing. We were doing crime scene investigations as well. And in music, we do whole class performances where everyone got together. Um, at the time, Glee was airing on TV. And I remember one of the music teachers got a large portion of the year group to perform Don't Stop Believing on stage. Learning was fun. But that quickly disappears as you get older. And the school system and the curriculum are mostly to blame for that. The amount of studying and homework you have to do just seems to increase more and more. And... I don't know if it's the same now as when I was at school. I mean, it was five years ago now that I took my GCSEs. But when I did take those exams, 
I had 22 exams in two and a half weeks. 22 exams in just two and a half weeks, which is about what? Probably about 12 days when you take the weekends out. That is a lot of time spent sitting in the isolation of a silent hall trying to remember everything you've been taught your entire school career. All this studying for exams really causes a heck of a lot of stress and completely removes any enjoyment from the learning process, or at least it makes a lot more normal activities feel like work. So I don't know if anyone who listens are keen readers or they really enjoy using a book to relax, but I found that before GCSE years, um, most nights I'd read a book before I went to sleep because it helped me relax. Just, you know, being able to escape into this fantasy world, whether it was a romance book or a fantasy one like Aragon, for instance, or something like that. But at the end of year 10, or by the end of year 10, we'd spent so much time analysing text in English for use of vocabulary, sentence structure, punctuation, certain words, phrases, that reading was just no longer enjoyable. Reading, this thing that I used to use as an escape from the world, had become work. The moment I picked up a book, even one I read countless times by my favourite author time and time again, I just couldn't do it anymore. My brain had been programmed into just analysing every single piece of text, working out why the author had chosen to write it in this style, or why they'd use this sentence or this piece of punctuation at this specific point, why did they choose the curtains to be blue? I don't know why the curtains are blue. Maybe just because the character likes the colour blue. But no, it has to be because the character is sad and they're depressed and blue represents sadness. Or maybe it could be because they're feeling calm. Blue can also represent... Yeah, you get the idea. So, yeah. Books were just no longer stories filled with action and fantasy and a means to escape. They were merely just paragraphs of words that had some inherent hidden meaning that I had to decode by default. And it wasn't just English. There were countless other subjects that in one way or another just had the joy taken out of learning just through the intense studying for exams. And I feel like it's probably just as bad now, if not worse. The system or the curriculum that's applied to schools on what students have to study is kind of outdated as well. It's overloaded and it's lacking creativity. And in my mind, this is what turns learning from enjoyable to boring, stressful and overwhelming. The world has changed so much, but the education system, well, it's just kind of stayed the same. It's never really been updated. I don't know if anyone follows, um, I think you say it, Prince Ea. <laughs> it's like spelt Prince E-A, like the letters E-A. So I think you say it Ea, so I apologise if I'm saying that wrong. Um, but yeah, he's an influencer on um, YouTube and Instagram. I don't know if he's got any other sort of channels, he might be, but it's worth checking him out. And he does a lot about the school system himself. And he has it spot on, really. You should really go and check his stuff out. I definitely recommend him as a, another influencer to follow. But he explains in this video I saw that with the development of artificial intelligence, things like Home Assistant, you know, like Alexa, Google Home, the Apple version. I can't remember what it's called, which is really bad because I have an iPhone. Um, but yeah, those things, um, self-driving cars, all this technology, you know, we shouldn't be trying to learn what computers are now programmed to do. We should be developing unique human intelligence about what we can do creatively. 
As a species, we're innovators. We make things, invent things, test things, and when they work well enough, we develop them further and then move on to the next thing. But we never really do the work that these innovations are there to do. That would just be silly. We went from walking and running everywhere, to training and riding horses, to building steam trains, and then other trains <laughs> and cars. I couldn't remember for Diesel trains, that's what I was thinking. Steam trains, diesel trains, cars. You know, it's a development of technology. So obviously we do still walk and run because we have to, because we're humans and we're made to exercise, we're meant to move. But you know, if you've got a car, you're not going to walk from London to Scotland or ride a horse from London to Scotland. You know, you're gonna jump in the car and go, for instance. So I'm not saying that schools should obviously teach you mechanics and how to invent new things, but the subjects need an update in regards to the content and make it more relevant to the challenges that we face today. Something else on this. Different schools call this different things. You might know it as PSHE. I, for the life of me, cannot remember what that stands for. I think it's like personal something health education. I actually can't remember. We didn't call it that school. I just know some schools call it that. Um, we actually called it life skills. That's what it was timetabled as when I was at school. Life skills. Skills you need in life. So what do you think that should cover? When I saw it on my timetable, I thought, okay, so that means I'm going to learn how to manage my money, um, learn about tax. It's boring, but it's very important to know because when you get older, you have to know about tax and how to pay it and all that kind of stuff. How to get a job, how to apply for a job, you know, writing a CV, how to um, conduct yourself at a job interview, driving theory, you know, learning the rules of the road, um, learning how to drive safely, all that kind of stuff, third stage, all things like that. To me, that's what life skills mean. In my five years at secondary school, I had a life skills lesson once every fortnight. That's what it was timetabled at. Five years at secondary school, I probably had one single lesson at most on each of those things. The other 90% of the time was spent teaching us about practicing safe sex and avoiding getting pregnant. Now, obviously, that's important too. I'm not arguing that. All schools should definitely teach that, but I still feel like they have the balance wrong. 90% of the lessons? Really? I've learnt more about the genuine skills I need to survive in life from my parents, my colleagues and Google than I did from school. I was lucky that my parents taught me how to save money from a very young age, so it's kind of ingrained in me to always have some money saved away and to never spend more than I earn when I got a job. But not everyone is lucky enough to have that knowledge, especially not at an early age, and that's something that I think should be essential in the curriculum, something that's going to help you in life, something that should be considered a life skill, money management. And the lesson that we actually did have on creating our CVs or resumes for a job interview actually taught us wrong. We were told that we had to list every subject we did at GCSE and A-level and the grade we got for each of them, as well as all of our personal information. So, obviously a company needs to know your name and age for legal reasons, but it wasn't until I got to college that I found out that you shouldn't put your date of birth on your CV, because it can actually result in identity theft if you're not careful, especially if you're putting it on... Um, a you know less popular job site or something like that or an unreputable employer for instance. 
A company only really ever needs that information if they hire you, so they can verify to the government that they're paying you the legal minimum wage and not making you work longer hours than you're allowed to, for example. And when I've been to job interviews, they have not cared if I got straight A's across the board. All they want to know is, can I do the job? Am I going to turn up every morning? And am I going to get on with the team that I'm working with? And this bridges on nicely to my next point. Numbers. Letters. Grading. The school system literally brands your level of intelligence on how well you can regurgitate information your teachers have fed to you in a pressurised hour time limit. That is all an exam is. That is how our intelligence is branded by the school system. Yet the school system also teaches us to never stereotype or judge a book by its cover or judge it by a certain thing. Strange, eh? In the UK, we have this regulatory service um, called Ofsted. Ofsted, basically, they just come around and assess a school on how well they're doing. Now, I never really understood how they assess the school. I never really did get it. But I think, basically, Ofsted assess a school on are the students behaving and are they passing and getting their target grades? That's it. So my, my secondary school, I think, Whenever we had an Ofsted inspection, we always got outstanding. Um, you can have, I think it's outstanding is the highest, then it's good, then it's satisfactory, and then <laughs> I was going to say the lowest is need help. <laughs> um, that's not the official term, but it's unsatisfactory. I, I don't know what the lowest end of the scale is. Um, but yeah, so uh, my secondary school, to my knowledge, they always got outstanding because, sure, the students were passing and they mostly behaving, but were they happy? Did they actually enjoy school? Did they have a passion for learning? No, they didn't. They were passing and behaving because it was the quickest way out of school. That is why we were trying to pass our exams because we were just fed up of it and we didn't want to do it anymore. Also, I don't know if this is completely true for all schools, but my school always seemed to know when Ofsted were coming. I thought the whole idea of an Ofsted inspection was they'd just turn up one day and be like, right, we're here to do the inspection. But I guess they still give the school a couple of days notice or something. And I found that when my school knew that Ofsted were coming, they'd make sure all the teachers prepared their lesson plans so they were exactly what Ofsted were after. They'd put any of the really naughty kids who always misbehaved in isolation, just made to do their homework all day instead of actually go to normal classes. And yeah, it was really weird. Like Ofsted would come round and the whole school would just be like, oh my God, Ofsted are coming. Ah! Um, I don't know if that's how it is for all other schools in the UK, but I found that was what it was like with mine. Everyone was like running around like headless chickens like, ah, panic, oh my god, <laughs> they're coming. Um, in comparison, when I went to college, um, the college I went to, I think they got rated good, not outstanding, but I personally felt students were happier there than they were at secondary school. They weren't passing as many students, but we were learning and enjoying life, and again, I'll get to that later. Let me tell you this though, you are not dumb or stupid if you don't get your target grade. It just means you can't work in that type of pressurised environment. You're just not that person. But just because you don't pass a test or an exam or a course does not make you stupid. Um, everyone is intelligent in their own right, everyone is clever in their own way. You just have to find out what you're clever at. And I know people who failed their A-levels, GCSEs or uni courses, and you know what? They've still gone out and got jobs or got work. 
they're making it in life. So you haven't got to worry if you're not getting your target grades or you fail your exams. There is still hope for the future, no matter what you're told. I even know people who have zero qualifications and they're doing just fine. So don't you worry too much. Just by finding something that they were passionate about and honing that craft in that field, they've excelled incredibly well. And to be honest, sometimes I wish I'd spent more time focusing on friendships and practicing my people skills at school than trying to get my target grades. Now, obviously, if you want to go to a specific uni, you do probably have to get certain grades because unfortunately, most university entry requirements still require you to get a certain amount of grades, which is totally wrong, by the way. But again, you still don't have to get A's or A stars across the board. I'm pretty sure uh, I, I do apologise as well because I'm um, still talking how it was graded when I was at school. I mean, it was only five years ago the grading system's changed now. I know that. I think it's now uh, lowest grade is a one and the highest is a nine, if I remember correctly. I think I really hated it as well because when I passed my GCSEs, I did think I got two A's, six B's and three C's or something like that. So I was quite happy. And I remember my year, quite a lot of students passed and they were all really happy because, you know, it was a lot we had to revise for and everything. And I remember a couple of weeks after the results came in, there was news from the government or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I remember them saying, so many students passed, it must be too easy. And I remember just sitting there and just thinking, too easy? Too easy? What? Are you serious? And it's like, why can't they just give us some credit for actually studying really hard and doing our homework and actually getting the grades? Like, does that not matter anymore? Oh, they've all passed, so it must be too easy. It wasn't easy. It definitely was not easy. I was crying most nights with the homework. I was stressed out. I was getting nine pieces of homework a night and I was absolutely going absolutely crazy. I was like, I just wanted out of it, honestly. So no way was it too easy. That made me so angry. I remember the day I heard that news, I was like, what? They said, what? The school system is also flawed because often, depending on your target grades, if you take a step back and look at what you're being told, a lot of what teachers and school staff are telling you is going to push you in a direction that they say is best for you, which particularly at secondary school, I found was the old fashioned path of going from GCSE to A-level or sixth form and then on to university. But sometimes, despite what you are told, the old fashioned or traditional education route doesn't always suit everyone. Like many things, education isn't a one size fits all. Everyone learns better in different ways. Some of us learn visually, so watching someone do something and then copying them. Some of us are auditory learners, so audio, you know, listening to someone talk about something, whether that be in person or listening to a podcast or an audiobook. Some people prefer learning like that rather than reading out a textbook, for instance. And then other people, they learn best by doing. You can't be a dancer, for example, by reading about it. You have to watch someone show you the steps and then replicate what they're doing and then practice and practice and practice. But then on the complete other end of the spectrum, you can't learn to be a surgeon by watching someone operate on a person and then be like, all right, guys, stand back. I've got this. Don't you worry. You know, because you have to study it so you don't make a mistake, because in that instance, someone's life is literally in your hands. So everyone learns in a different way. And therefore, that means that the traditional school, sixth form, university route does not suit everyone. The thing is though, schools will, they repeat the same thing over and over and over and try and ingrain it into the students' heads. And to be honest, it does kind of work. You know, I bet you've heard this before. 
start of a new school year. This will be the most important year of your life. Work hard, get good grades, do what you're told. And then you do it all, you do it all, and then you start the next school year. This will be the most important year of your life. Work hard, get good grades, do what you're told. Then you get to the next school year. This will be the most important year of your life. Work hard, get good grades, and so on, so on, so on. You hear it a hundred times throughout the year, and then the next year, and then the next year, and then you're kind of stood there thinking, wait, hang on a second, I thought you said last year was going to be the most important year of my life? For some reason, every single year of your school career is the most important one. I've never really got that. It's like, wait, which one is now the most important? I actually don't understand. I distinctly remember when I stopped trusting the school system, although at the time I wasn't really brave enough to speak out about it. It was in year nine and it was one of these special presentation evenings where all the parents were invited to come and listen to the head teacher, year head, careers counsellor and a few other choice staff about us choosing our options for GCSEs. Now at this moment in time I thought I was going to be either on stage or acting in films and TV so I wanted to pick as many creative and arts and vocational subjects as possible. Unfortunately though Nothing's ever easy or how you want it. You can't just pick what you want because the subjects were categorised in blocks and you can only pick one subject from each block. Anyway, during the presentation evening, there was a section about this new qualification that had been approved by the government called the English Baccalaureate. And during the evening, all the staff were basically saying how important it was. But in order to get this qualification, if I recall correctly, you had to do a foreign language, um, a foreign language subject, sorry, and triple science. Now in my mind we already had to do double science for GCSE as compulsory so I didn't want to do even more on top of that and we only had a choice of German or French for languages whereas I personally wanted to learn Spanish or Italian. I don't know why but I was just like that would be cool to learn. The only word that I knew in Spanish that wasn't like your basic Spanish is sacapuntas which by the way means pencil sharpener. There you go that's a random nugget of information for you. Um, and I also thought with languages, I didn't need a qualification to say I could speak a language. I just need to learn it and be able to actually talk to someone in a different language. You know, you don't need a piece of paper to say that you can talk in a different language. You just need to be able to do it. This was something that I thought I can do in my own time when I want to, without the pressure of exams. So I made up my mind pretty quick that this wasn't something I wanted to do. So after the presentation had finished, the head of the year approached me and my parents. He was quite eager to hear my choices and automatically assumed I'd be taking the subjects towards the English Baccalaureate. When I said that I wasn't, he looked absolutely mortified and then he went straight to my parents, he looked at them and he said something along the lines of this, not quite exactly this, but something like this. I strongly encourage you to get Felicity to take these subjects. This qualification will help her future. It will give her a good chance at getting into sixth form and university and a strong start to a career too. She'll no doubt fail without it. Now keep in mind I was standing right in front of him as he said this, as he's talking to my parents about this, about me. And it was that last sentence that just sort of repeated over and over in my mind. She'll no doubt fail without it. So 15 year old me thought, so hang on a second. I've spent the last two to three years at this school putting 110% into all my work doing my best to achieve my target grades, do all my homework, sacrificing after school time to learn even more. And now I'm being told that all this will be in vain if I don't get this single qualification. And for a split second, I was on the fence, I admit it. A split second, I believed him. But then I thought, 
what about all the other students that are in the year above me that aren't even going to get the option to take this qualification? Does this mean they'll all fail just because they were born a year earlier? No, surely not. That's ridiculous. And perhaps what was originally intended as a persuasion technique ended up making me question the school system and whether I should believe everything that I was told. Something else too. For once in my life, I was not only determined to stick to my guns and do what I felt in my heart was the right choice, but also I was determined to prove him and whoever else thought I would fail wrong. It was actually quite upsetting when you put so much effort into something and prove you can achieve results and work hard and then realise that the people you're aiming to impress actually have very little faith in you. Luckily, in that moment, my mum's instant response was that as my parents, they would support me whatever choice I wanted to make and that I was at an age where they couldn't really tell me what to do anymore, particularly when it came to making choices that could affect the rest of my life. So if I truly didn't want to do the qualification, they weren't going to force me to do it. The year head wasn't very happy, but he didn't argue and walked off. Now in telling that story, it's quite easy to imagine the head of year as a bad person, but I think he was genuinely looking out for my best interests in what he believed was right. It was just the way that he went about trying to explain his point of view that came across wrong. Also, this is a good point to add that teachers and school staff are under a lot of pressure from powers higher up. I don't know the details, but they have targets to get a certain amount of students to pass subjects or take certain qualifications. And if that year head hadn't come across that way, I might have ended up on a completely different path. All this time, I've had a drive to prove anyone wrong who said I'd fail in some way. If he hadn't have said those words, maybe I wouldn't have had the persistence to keep going. So anyway, I went into GCSE year suddenly feeling a bit lost. I felt I couldn't trust a lot of people anymore. And I remember watching my friends all talking about A-levels and getting the right grades and getting into university thinking, either I'm not like them at all, like I thought I was, or I'm the only one who has realised we're all just numbers to the system. This whole route of education sucks. You don't have a choice, you don't have an option, you just keep going like you're stuck on this conveyor belt, going through different stages of production, and if you get to the end of the conveyor belt without falling off, you win? But I did feel stuck because at the time I didn't think I had other options because all my school seemed to talk about was sixth form and university. I knew there were apprenticeships and things like that, but I just didn't know how to access them. So GCSEs was a manically stressful time for me, for everyone. I was getting nine pieces of homework at night some weeks and struggling to stay on top of it at all. And not everyone thinks about it, but you're just one student who has that work to do. Look at the teachers who have hundreds of students, all with homework that they have to mark each night. Teachers don't get paid to stay up till 11 at night marking homework and coursework. And believe me, as someone who's always found it easy to get on well with teachers, they really do just get on with it and get that marking done. I blame the stress of studying, actually, for losing touch with my friends at secondary school. By the end of year nine, I had built up a solid group that I used to meet up with in breaks and could sit with or do group projects with. But the studying for different subjects in GCSE forced us apart because not all of us took the same subjects, so we saw less of each other. And then the school system doesn't really teach you how to deal with the stress and overwhelm that comes with studying for exams. And they really, really should. It's not easy to explain or talk about, but, you know, you tend to find you don't sleep properly, you don't eat as healthily, or you're struggling to exercise, you get wound up easier because of all the pressure, and as teenagers, 
you're already trying to understand what your body and mind is going through with all the hormones developing. You mix all that up and yeah, by the end of GCSE year, I had definitely snapped at, argued with, yelled at, fought and lost some of my closest friends. Not all of them, some of us did just naturally drift apart, but some, I'm not at all proud of it. I don't have a lot of regrets, but I do regret that, because you can never take back things you have said or done, even in a moment of anger or stress. The system does not teach you how to maintain friendships or control your emotions, and it should, because it's the system that causes the stress, that causes the bad moods, that then causes you to lash out at people, and so on. The thing is, no one is perfect, and all relationships, whether it be friends, family, love, you will have conflicts and differences and fights. But part of growing up is about dealing with all that, and learning how to forgive and not let stress destroy your relationships. And that is something that, because of the school system, causes the stress in the first place, they should also teach you how to mop up the mess it then creates afterwards. So the reason I chose to release this episode now was because I took a leap of faith about this time five years ago. I was in year 11 and it was just before the Easter holidays and honestly, I was a broken spirit. I couldn't sleep, I was stressed, overwhelmed, I'd put on weight, I'd lost all my confidence, I felt really lost, I couldn't feel a connection to my friends anymore. I was physically there, but my personality had just gone and hidden deep down somewhere in my soul. And I honestly just felt like a nobody. I was just this shell. There was nothing in the shell. I was just the shell. There was one particular day I was sitting in media class and I had a wonderful teacher called Mr. Zadie. He was brilliant. He was funny. One of the few classes that I could still enjoy because he did his best to make it enjoyable despite the impending doom of exams. And... We were having a class chat because we tended to do that in that class whilst we had our work and Mr Zadie says, so just out of interest, what's everyone doing this year? I'm not going to try and do his voice because that's weird. Now, uh, this particular media class had 32 students in, so there was a lot of us. And when he asked about sixth form, about 29 of us, including me, raised our hands. So he asked the other three what they're doing and I think one was doing an apprenticeship and the other two said college. And the next thing Mr Zadie says was actually what completely changed my path in life. He said, please tell me you aren't going to the regional college. And I think the students shook their heads and Mr Zadie said, it's a terrible college. You won't like it and you really, really shouldn't go. But as he said that last sentence, he wasn't looking at those students. He was looking directly at me. Now, I am actually sure that it was just a complete coincidence. Maybe I imagined it because I was completely delirious from the studying and not sleeping and everything. But in that moment, I was convinced in my head that my media teacher was trying to tell me something. And for once in those last few months, I felt something I hadn't felt in a long time. A pang of curiosity and excitement. Instead of taking Mr Zadie's words as gospel, I actually absorbed it as reverse psychology. And for the rest of the day until I got home, all I could think was, why is that college so bad? And why did he look at me when he said that? I said that I was going to sixth form, so why was he looking at me when he started talking about don't go to the college? So when I got home, I just thought, you know what, why not? I googled the college and went on the website and I knew at this point that I was interested in media, so I decided to see what courses they had. Now, I quickly found out that not only did they have a dedicated centre for media students, but they had incredible facilities with a fully operational TV studio, 
radio booths, equipment you could hire out to work on projects. Compare that to the four handycams my secondary school had available and already you could see why my mind was changing. The only people I told about my interest in college was my family and they seemed all for it because the thought of a new start had brought me some hope and although it was scary to think about going somewhere new, I knew that I wanted to escape. I didn't tell my friends because I didn't want anyone to change my mind. I think I knew in my heart that this is what I needed to do and I didn't need anyone to say, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. No, 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 please don't do that. No, 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 or making me feel guilty. And they wouldn't do it on purpose, but I thought, you know what, if they know, their words are going to get to me and I need to be sure. I think in my heart I knew it was the right decision and I needed to make sure no one was going to get in between me and my decision. So to cut this story short, I applied and I went for an interview, met one of the tutors who I instantly knew had a great sense of humour when the first question he asked me at the interview was, are you a mass murderer? Now, I still don't really know if he actually had to ask the question or was just trying to break the ice so that I calmed down because I'm pretty sure I was a nervous wreck at the interview. But still, again, that kind of made me think it could be fun. And honestly, Choosing to go to college instead of staying on at the sixth form was the best choice I ever made. And in a way, I kind of have Mr Zadie to thank for that, but he probably didn't even intend for that to happen, I don't know. Obviously the system is still controlling the curriculum at college, but I don't know, I think college was a bit different and they had a bit more budget and a bit more control on what they did. I don't really know. It just worked for me. It was a vocational course as well, so no exams, woohoo, just hands-on learning. We still had coursework and assignments, but I preferred that over exams any day. Unfortunately, last I heard, the curriculum for that course since I left now does involve exams, which is kind of ridiculous. Media is one of those hands-on subjects, as I mentioned before, where you learn by doing, not by reading or writing. Um, there is some theory to it, but you're only really going to learn by being hands-on with the equipment. You know, I don't turn up to my job and get asked by my boss to write a detailed report on how to use a camera in an hour in absolute silence. I turn up and film and edit stuff. That is my job. The theory is applied to the practical. You know, you learn about how to frame a shot correctly and different lighting techniques, the way you should record sound with the right levels and stuff. But again, you learn that as you go along till it becomes second nature. It's not a thing you have to write about all the time. About six months after I got my job, I was speaking to Harry and Tom, who are my colleague and my boss, and they said that when they were interviewing for my position, they had qualified university students turning up um, for the interview. And I thought, well, hang on a second, why did you pick me when they had the qualification, the piece of paper to say they could do it, and I didn't? And they said it was down to the fact that I'd actually had more hands-on experience than the university students did. Sure, they had the piece of paper to say they passed a course and could write about it, but they hadn't actually been out running around with a camera and microphones, setting kit up, learning to deal with clients. I, however, had been doing volunteer and freelance work with my own kit that I'd saved up and bought by myself, learning on the go, learning by my mistakes, and of course, getting work experience at college. The university students had just been writing about doing it. I remember the first interview I went to, um, part of the interview, Harry sat in and he assessed what candidates would do with the equipment. Now I remember, um, actually, he had a load of kit laid out on the table in the studio, like cameras, microphones, recorders, you know, standard stuff. And he said to me, okay, you haven't got to turn anything on, but can you show me how would you set up filming for a sit-down interview? So they had um, like an armchair and a sofa adjacent to each other and a coffee table in the middle, just like a basic set and he 
literally just said, you know, don't turn anything on, just pick the stands up and the tripods, tell me where you put them and why, and that sort of thing. So at this point, I think I was really nervous because I knew that this was what they needed me to do right. So I did take a bit of time to think and I just grabbed some light stands and I said, okay, well, I'm going to put one light here to light the room and the other two are going to be placed so they light each subject. But the lights can only be placed to this line and I sort of gestured with my hand to this invisible line in front of me because of the 180 degree rule. And then I said where I put the cameras and everything else. Um, and I got called back for a second interview where I met Tom, my boss, and talked to him more about my experience. And then I got a call the following day offering me the job, which, by the way, I seem to remember I got off the phone. I accepted, got off the phone, and I was jumping around for five minutes screaming. And my mum was like, oh, my God, what's going on? And I was like, oh, my God, I've got the job. And then she started, well, she didn't jump, but she started screaming with me. And we were just like a pair of screaming something. So... Linking that back to the whole school system thing. This is my point about the school system. They're still very set in the traditional route, but there are so many companies and fields of work now where they literally don't care if you have a nine or a one or an A or a three or a D. They just want to know that you will turn up on time every day and do the best work that you can offer. They want reliable people with new ideas and skills, not someone who can repeat information back to them, which is what an exam trains you to do. So if you've listened to this point, it's been an incredibly long episode, much longer than I normally do, and thanks for taking the time to listen. But I would really encourage you to explore all your options. Maybe you want to go to university for the experience more than the education perspective, and that's totally okay. For me, the uni experience just didn't appeal to me, but some people do want to learn about living independently and having a bit more freedom, and that's perfectly fine. But my point stands that you shouldn't let the school system pressure you into thinking that you will succeed or fail based on your grades or the path you choose. If you merely just try hard and put 100% effort into whatever you choose to do, you can succeed. I literally have faith in you. Whoever, you're, whoever you are, whatever you want to do, I have faith in you. People are going to believe in you if you just put effort in. It is tough. It's not easy. But you can do it. I don't have a massive solution for the school system but highlighting where it's weak or wrong is the first step to getting something done about it and changing it. So do you agree about the school system? Do you think it's a bit of a mess? Do you think that the grading system is wrong? Do you think they should change it? Do you think they should abolish homework? I know I certainly think they should, and I'd certainly wish they had of when I was at school. What would you like to see change about the school system? Let us know on the social channels. Also remember you can always submit your own subjects for us to discuss. If I think I can help, it might become a future podcast episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss future content. And remember, no matter your age, you never stop growing up.